The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. The Adam Shine Podcast. Ah, yes. Welcome to episode 31 of the Adam Shine Podcast. And we are fired up to be with you once again. We have a tremendous interview and guest this week. The best in the business, Tracy Wolfson from the NFL on CBS is going to join us. We will go over her game coming up this week with Baltimore and Pittsburgh, my favorite rivalry in the NFL. Remember, she was on the sidelines when Dak Prescott got hurt. She was on the sidelines when Justin Herbert made his first start in the NFL. We'll talk to Tracy about Cam Newton, about the Kansas City Chiefs, and I don't know if you know this. Well, now you do. Tracy and I grew up in the same hometown, so we'll have a little fun with that as we talk to Tracy Wolfson and go over everything involved in the National Football League. We have some epic fantasy football stories and failures. We got some predictions for this week. We will make our picks against the spread. We got a lot to do on the Adam Shine podcast. And listen, I want to start off with the frauds. The Chicago Bears are frauds. Fraudulent five-win football team. And I told you last week on the Adam Shine podcast, we slammed it home on Shine on Sports, on Time to Shine, on Sirius XM, Mandog Sports Radio, and CBS Sports Network. The lock of the century, the L.A. Rams smashing the Chicago Bears, covering that six-point spread. Easiest prediction we've ever made in the 31-episode history of the Adam Shine podcast. The Bears offense is... Pathetic. The coaching is pathetic. It's a car wreck. A car wreck with no plan. Hey, kids, let's get in the car with no gas and a faulty engine. And let's roll the dice and just go with three tires. YOLO! Let's ride! And that's the goal here in terms of how they put it together with Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy and the Chicago Bears. Nick Foles is terrible. The O-line is dreadful. Matt Nagy is horrendous at his job. They scored three points on Monday night, and you can't be surprised. Aaron Donald and company absolutely owned the Chicago Bears. Nick Foles was picked off a couple of times, and honestly, wasn't even close. He made some wretched throws. He was overshooting Mooney. He was underthrowing Allen Robinson, and poor Allen Robinson. My goodness, if I was Allen Robinson, why would I ever re-sign in, in Chicago and continue with This absolute fiasco of an organization. How about the throw at 17-3? Five minutes left in the third. At the Rams' nine, Nick Foles throws one of the worst passes you will ever see. It's deflected and it's picked. Of course it was. Look, Ryan Pace made a horrendous decision. It was an easy first guess. You know, he not only drafted Mitch Trubisky as opposed to Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson never even sat down to meet with Deshaun Watson, according to the Chicago Sun-Times. Can you imagine that? 
but it's it's crazy, but it's true. Trade it up from three to two. You forget that to get Mitch Trubisky with that second overall pick. Made a deal with with San Fran. So okay, you're gonna replace Mitch. Mitch is a bust. Mitch was terrible. Mitch was awful. You replace him with Nick Foles. Nick Foles entrenched as a Super Bowl hero, a Philly legend. It was obviously a fluke. He was the Jags quarterback last year, won as many games in Jacksonville as I did. We called it all spring, all summer long, the worst quarterback room in the NFL, and we were right. You know, Jacksonville's laughing at Chicago. Washington is laughing at Chicago. This is the residue of the worst ever design. You want to replace Trubisky? Great. Sign Teddy Bridgewater, which was the easiest first guess ever that we had on Shine on Sports on Sirius XM Mad Dog Sports Radio. I mean, the quarterback position is awful. The line, it looks like a turnstile at the subway in, in New York City. And Matt Nagy can't coach his way out of a paper bag. The year he won Coach of the Year, I refused to even consider him because I watched him in-game. His time management is awful. His game management is awful. Usage of timeouts, it's terrible. Play calling, awful. He's allergic to developing a, a real run game. How about fourth and one on 34, 24-3? Toss play to Cordell Patterson. You might want to toss that one in the trash, Matt Nagy. That that was pure hot garbage. Didn't use his timeouts at the end of the first half. You know, how about the penalty that saved him from the embarrassment when he decided to go forward, you know, deep in his own territory on fourth down early in the game? And then you have Brian Greasy relaying the story of Nick Foles saying that he gets a play call in his helmet and he knows he's not going to have time to execute. Oh, oh, good. I mean, that's a disaster. Now, falls after the game, so there was a miscommunication with Brian Greasy. I'll interpret that one for you. Brian, I thought we were off the record. By the way, Brian Greasy's been around the block before. He knows the difference between on the record, off the record. Nick Falls blatantly told him that, and clearly Falls doesn't trust Nagy, nor should anyone trust Matt Nagy. Look, the good news is if you're a Bears fan, you won five games, don't have to give them back, but there are no reasons to trust this football team. I feel bad for the defense. It's not a classically great defense, but Max is stud and Hicks is awesome. They've got good players. I mean, they have to not only go against the opposition's offense, they, they have to go against their own quarterback offensive line and head coach and all the follies that they make and try to clean up all the, all the slop. The Chicago Bears are the most fraudulent five-win team I've ever seen. I don't buy them. I don't trust them. There's no way I believe this team will be good enough to eventually make the playoff. Tracy Wolfson is going to join us on the Adam Shine podcast right after this. Hey everyone, this is former NFL linebacker and current SiriusXM NFL radio host Kirk Morrison, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Total Coverage. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. The featured guest this week on the Adam Shine podcast, NFL on CBS superstar, our friend, the great Tracy Wolfson. Tracy, how are you? I'm doing great, Adam. Psyched to be with you. Nice that it's not only on tops that we get to talk. Uh, all good here, you? 
Everything is wonderful, Tracy. I appreciate you asking. And, yeah, I love love when you're on with us on, on Sunday mornings on, on that of the pregame show. And, listen, you are the absolute best in the business when it comes to NFL reporting on, on television. And I'm very curious from your perspective as, you know, we're all living and working in the middle of, of a pandemic, whether it's COVID tests or COVID protocols or you know, Zoom team meetings or Zoom production meetings or sideline reporting that's not on the sideline. How has your job changed during this football season? You know, it's changed dramatically, and you just mentioned almost everything. I think certainly the number one thing, not being down on the field, is a drastic difference. And it certainly makes it more challenging. You're not right in the action, right in the mix. Getting from one sideline to the other sideline is difficult and changes each week. I mean, and you're in Dallas, you have to go underneath into the bowels of the stadium to get to the other sideline. Wow. And something like Baltimore, you can just, you know, walk right around. So every week it's different. The communication with the coaches down there or the communication with the PR staff down there getting your information. I thought maybe you'd be able to see things and hear things better, especially with such, you know, little crowd noise and and no crowds in some of these stadiums. But to be honest, it's extremely difficult. Everyone's wearing a mask. So hearing these guys is hard. And you might hear a player or two. A lot of that stuff you can't report anyway. Um, so, and your sight line, you can only see from behind. You can't see the sides if some guy's getting worked on. You can't see those angles, so that's difficult. Uh, and then when you, you kind of get off the field, the idea of, you know, the Zoom calls have actually been really helpful because at least you can still see the players and the coaches and they can see you. It's not as intimate, of course. Yep. Uh, and you don't get to really know those personalities like you are when you are in a room. Um, but that's been okay. And then, you know, honestly, the camaraderie, I mean, we're taking as all precautions as we possibly can. And so we're spending a lot of time by ourselves. I don't see Tony or Jim sometimes until we race into our cars after a game. I might not see my producer for a whole entire weekend. Wow. And while we talk, it, it is. It's, and that's a really big part. Uh, and, you know, just being even on a set or with yep. a crew, it's a team atmosphere. It's a family. And it, it also adds to the fun of our job. It's all being together and maybe going out the night before and doing a dinner and meeting at the production meeting and seeing everyone. And then also you get a lot more stuff and stories when you sit around and talk for a long time. And so that's gone. And it's very independent. It's very it's sometimes lonely. Um, but you make the boat. I'm, I am doing probably more work, though, than I've ever done before because you have to and you have so much time, you know, sitting in these hotel rooms on your own. So, you know, there are those positives that have come out of it um, and we're making the best of it. But it is a challenging and very different experience this year. I, and I mean, I knew everyone was taking it seriously. I mean, to hear you frame it in the way that you did, I mean, that, that really resonated. I mean, you miss that camaraderie. You miss the stories, not seeing a producer or Jim or Tony. That, that is a big deal. Obviously, very little or no fans in the stands, Tracy. I mean, what's that like for you? You, you? You've been covering games forever. You hear the roar of the crowd, you know, the boos, the positives, the negatives, the deafening silence when, when that's appropriate. What's it like with no fans? 
Yeah, it, it's eerie, and I thought maybe I'd get used to it, and it's still I still have not gotten used to it. And I think this weekend having Baltimore and Pittsburgh in such a rivalry that that crowd would be going crazy. And I know they're going to have, I think, about 4,000 fans, but we've been in stadiums with that many fans, and you can't – it doesn't really make much of a difference. There's a little bit of noise behind you. Um, but it's – you know, I said the biggest time I realized – that, you know, it was just different and strange was, you know, after the anthem, that's when the, usually the crowd explodes hmm. and they're excited to get this game kicked off. And I find myself the only one clapping. And it's wow. so weird. You know, you look around, <laughs> and you're like, wait a second. You're right. I forgot. There's no one here but me in the stands. So it's definitely different. And, you know, I don't, it, it, you, the players, it's hard for them to get up. You see them trying to create their own excitement and, add, and there's no one turning around and yelling, you know, and, and talking back to a fan in the stands or hyping everyone up out on the field. You just don't, you don't have that this year. It is, it's eerie. It's, it's certainly strange. And it's going to get more and more strange as these games get bigger and bigger with so much more on the line because you feel that energy when you get out there. You know, and Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo said something to us uh, last week going into New England. He's like, you know, he had it circled. He was so excited to go in, but he said it's going to be definitely different if there was fans there. It would have been, you know, just a different experience. They probably would have, you know, cheered for him and, you know, he would have been back in that environment and they didn't get that opportunity. I think we're going to see that same thing as these games get bigger and bigger and so much more on the line. Absolutely. That's a great way to phrase it. I want to hit on a couple of these thoughts in terms of the games, and I want to go around the league and different things that you've seen so far this year, and also what you're going to see this weekend, because Tracy, this is my personal favorite game. I'm obsessed with Baltimore and Pittsburgh. You know, free agency in the NFL, which is great. You know, you don't always get real hate, even in the divisions or classic (laughs) rivalries. There's real hate. There's real respect. But, you know, the coaches, the players, the fans, the organizations. I mean, this is Yankees-Red Sox. It's it's Michigan-Ohio State. What, in your opinion, (laughs) makes Baltimore-Pittsburgh so special? Uh, It's like Mike Tomlin said, this is AFC North ball this week. That's right. (laughs) I mean, he just gets so passionate about it. And every one of these players and coaches will tell you that. They know that when these, you know, it's just that grinded out physicality that you get from both of these teams. And you get that from the whole AFC North when they're really at the top and at the peak. And it's always usually been this like defensive grinded out battle between them. And so, you know, we're going to see some offensive, you know, prowess in both of these, with both of these teams, certainly, but that's where it stemmed from. And, and it's just like you said, that hatred and that rivalry and that passion and, you know, the fans going back and forth and you're already seeing it. I saw it, I started seeing it, you know, Sunday night into Monday, uh, you know, everyone excited for this game. And then you have some guys who have never experienced it. I've listened to what Calais Campbell has said. Yeah. Yannick Ngakwe is coming in. They've never experienced this rivalry. The guys that have told them about this rivalry, I mean, they understand that so much is at stake when these two teams get together. You were on the sideline for Cam Newton and the Patriots this past week. What happened? Oh, my God. 
Yeah. I, I I don't know. I mean, you saw it in Denver. And, you know, we saw this is our fourth Patriots game, I think. And we've seen the Patriots playing really good football in the beginning part of that season where they could win any way. It didn't matter. Cam could have a good day and they'll win with the running game. He can use his arms. He can use his legs. They won three different ways. And then COVID hit. And it just did something to this team. And I don't want to make excuses for them because even Cam said going into that game, the excuse bucket is low. You know, enough is enough here. But, you know, between this offensive line that has gone through so many different combinations, between losing players, between Cam going down and having two weeks off, you know, there's just players in and out in the uncertainty on will someone get sick, won't someone get sick, Stephon Gilmore goes out, and then they come back against Denver, and it's like, you know, what happened to this team? And then they just couldn't get anything going against San Francisco. And it does start at the quarterback position. You wonder what happened to Cam. Like, you, what he, we saw from him these first three weeks of the season is not what we've seen from him these last two weeks. And people are saying, you know, did COVID hit him harder than we think? You know, he said he was asymptomatic. We spoke to him going into the game. He seemed pumped and excited, and he was ready to take ownership of this team. You know, he got hit on the arm the week before, and something didn't seem right, but he hasn't been on the injury report. But you, you can't tell me he hasn't been able to throw a football. No, so no. I, I, I don't – and they – you know, look, they didn't have wide receivers last year. They don't have any wide receivers right now that can go get that ball. And, you know, Julian Edelman, the toughest, toughest, grittiest guy out there is – dealing with a, a knee injury that you can tell is holding him back and he's just out there because he knows he needs to and he wants to be out there but other than that you know there is no one out there that can you know make a play and then you shut down the run game and then that's it so I mean, it's yeah it's a problem and, and I, the way you phrase it is is spot on i mean it starts with cam and he's bouncing balls into the turf he's not even close he's throwing interceptions by the way, and Tom Brady had to deal with it last year, the receivers can't separate. It's not a great receiving core. Tom made them look better than they were. Offensive line issues. They trail in a game they can't run. I mean, is this going to be the new normal for the New England Patriots? I, I'd have to think. I don't know how they're going to be able to recover this year from this. I mean, it's not like you can now just go get yourself a number one wide receiver who could get on the same page that will get that separation, you know, and Cam, I mean, what we don't know. And are they going to plug in Jared Stidham? Well, he, he hasn't looked great out there either. So I'm not sure it's fixable this year. Um, you know, look, I never count out Bill Belichick. Of course. Of and course. they can win games with this defense. They can certainly win games with their defense. And if they continue, I guess, to run the ball, and uh, but they have two more injuries on that offensive line now. They just they finally got guys back, and now Haran and Tooney go out. So that's a big deal. And if Cam can't you know figure out what's going on and and be able to you know throw the ball and just get it to his guys and guys separate, I don't know if they can fix it this year. But I do know they need to you know take a, a 
a good look at this offense in the offseason. Yeah, I'm with and you. And will, will even McDaniels be there? Who knows what happens? I mean, at that point. It's a great point. There could be a whole, yep, whole change. Yeah, I'm with you, and I don't think it's fixable. I'm, I'm really not surprised because of all the reasons you just documented. I mean, there, there's a lot there when you look at the issues with the New England Patriots on offense and the opt-outs before the season on defense. Tracy, you were on the sideline when Dak Prescott got hurt. I mean, that was just such an awful moment this season. What was that like from your perspective? Oh, my God. You know, I love my job, but I absolutely hate it when I have to cover injuries like that. Uh, Devastating. And there were fans there, and it was silent. It felt like there was no one there. And, you know, all that he's been through and the lack of contract. And, oh, by the way, he's a great guy. And we had a, such a good conversation with this week, going, that week going into the game. And we even, we all got off and we're like, oh, what a good guy. And to see that happen, I mean, you don't want it to happen to anyone. And then to see him go down like that, um, the tears, the, the just the way the team reacted and then to see the other sideline because Jason Garrett yeah. uh, on the other sideline, the way he, you know, you know, it hit him hard too. Um, just horrible, horrible. And you can't do anything about it in there. You know, for my role, it's just, you gotta, you know, try and report on the facts and figure out what's going on with no information. I mean, everyone knew it was severe. You can tell from the first second you saw that video. Um, but it's just, just horrible. Absolutely awful. And, and you did an excellent job reporting and going over all the facts. And it was just, he, he's such an amazing person in addition to being a great player. It was such an awful moment. What was week two like for you when you came on and gave the reports about Justin Herbert getting that start? And I, I mean, the, the whole thing was so surreal. And I, I'm obsessed with Herbert. I thought he was going to be a star. Loved him in college. Thought he was absolutely built for the NFL. So I was thrilled. That must have been as bizarre as anything for you on the sideline. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the story. So normally... You know, you're down on the sideline. You're watching all of practice, you know, pregame. You're, you know, keeping your eye out for everything that's taking place. Well, first off, you know, don't forget, we're in the stands now. Right. So it's not like we could really see a lot of what's going on and talk to guys and players and maybe a coach who said, hey, by the way, or or, or someone you might have a relationship with on the team that might be like, hey, you might want to look at, you know, Tyrod, you know, he's going in for, you know, he's not looking so good, whatever. So we're, we're taken out of the mix to begin with. And then throw in the fact that it was the opening game for the Chargers at that stadium. And I was on the third level doing our open shot. Oh, wow. That's what we were trying to showcase, right? We sure, why wouldn't you? Right, right. Why? I mean, that's the story going in, right? The Chargers' first game at SoFi and how incredible the stadium is. So I'm up on that third that third level, and I hear in my ear, just like Jim and Tony reacted, they were in shock. And so you start putting those pieces together. You immediately, you know, run down to your area. Now, again, that takes a good, you know, seven minutes I mean you're getting downstairs you're going down an elevator you got to get around you got to get down into the stands I mean it's like a debacle 
So you get in and finally you're like, okay, how do I find out? And you find out the information. I got the information I was always running down through the PR guy, but then you get down there and I started putting, you know, all the pieces together because we did talk to Anthony Lynn and I remember asking him specific. Oh no, he said actually just off out of nowhere. Well, he's a little talking about Tyrod. He's a little banged up, but he'll be fine. And I, followed up later in our conversation of the meeting I said by the way in the beginning of this conversation you said that Tyrod was a little banged up can you elaborate and he goes oh you caught that like he thought he could just kind of I don't even know after the fact so we followed up and he told us that he was dealing with the bruised ribs and so you know piecing it together and I will say that Tony in our in my ear like at the end was like you know there's a very good chance that shot went wrong and, you know, you're, that's not something you would ever speculate or say or anything. You don't know. We don't of even know course. that he took a shot. So um, that's how it all developed. And we were able to give as much information possible. Um, and then, of course, I asked Anthony Lynn at halftime how it went down, and we got some more information. But uh, certainly interesting, crazy, not expected, you know, situation in L.A. Oh, my goodness. What what a story. I, I didn't realize all the gymnastics and the X's and O's behind that. <laughs> my goodness. that That is true. I, I love stuff like that. I know the listeners are going to love that as well. Now, Tracy, we grew up in the same hometown in, in New City, New York, and we went to, to different high schools. You went to, we went to rival high schools. You went to Clarkstown North. I went to Clarkstown South. Now, when you were at Clarkstown North, at one point in the hallways, right, you're going to have the number one reporter in the National Football League, Tracy Wilson. You're going to have Keith Bullock, who had an unbelievable career <laughs> for the Tennessee Titans playing the linebacker position. You're going to have Jeremy Garlick, who is this unbelievable producer in Hollywood. And you're going to have Adam Rodriguez, who is on <laughs> CSI Miami. What was going on in the water in Clarkstown North in the, in the early 90s? <laughs> You're so right. I was amongst them all. And it's funny, I've basically kept in touch with everyone. I kept in touch with Adam early on in his career. I haven't spoken or seen him in a long time. I actually ran into a friend of his recently. But I ran into Keith Bullock at a Titans game last year. We took that obligatory picture. It was great to. to see him. And Jeremy Garlick, who I went to his junior prom, I think. Oh, my goodness. I had no idea. Who knew? I went to junior prom with him, or maybe it was homecoming, and he reached out to me this year during, actually right before COVID, he's working on, he was working on a movie, and he he wanted my advice on something. And so... That's amazing. It's funny you brought them all up, but what a great time it was. I actually grew up, you might not know, in Congress. I did not grow up in New City. I went to school at North, but I grew up in Congress. I did not know that. Did you ever make your way? Rick's Club American? Well, it's funny. Wait, hold on, hold on. I was going to give you three questions here about (laughs) New City, and one of my answers was Rick's Club American. So you're actually beating me to the punch on my own podcast, Tracy. Favorite restaurant restaurant growing up, uh, my answer is Rick's Club American. We, We would go there probably once a week growing up. And I would have answered the same thing. The ribs and those stringy, like, fries. Those fries were were unbelievable. Unbelievable. I've been back. Have you been back? 
I've been back. I've been back. I haven't been probably in five, seven years, but no, I've been no, back no. in the in the adults in the adult sense, as opposed to you right. know growing up and going all the time. So I didn't realize you grew up at Congress. I had no. I thought it was New City this whole time. No, I didn't. I grew up in Congress. Congoloid. I'm a Congoloid. I had no idea. Rockland Lake was great. <laughs> oh, I mean, the three-mile run around Rockland Lake. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that or walking or, you know, the Thanksgiving, you know, run. I used on... to take my rollerblades, rollerbladed around Rockland Lake. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine <laughs> Tracy rollerblading around Rockland Lake? What was your favorite pizza place growing up in Congers, New City? Oh, it was Rocco's. Okay, we're uh, so far we're two for two. I got the shredded mozzarella. There we go. Then I would get a baked ziti. There we go. And then I go across to Hagen Dots and I get a coffee chip ice cream sundae with chocolate crunchies on top. (laughs) (laughs) That would be my favorite night out. I mean, that was it. That, you know, my kids, when they sleep at my parents, they still go to Rocco's. They get the baked ziti. <laughs> they get the garlic knots. They they can't get enough. It doesn't get any better. Knots. I mean, the garlic knots, they're classic at Rocco's. They're classic. Favorite classic. diner. Last one. Favorite diner in Rockland County. Oh, you know what? I would go to Nanuet Diner. That but would now, be the Nanuet. What a call. Because that's where we would hang late night. Yes. Like, that would be our go-to. It was far, but that's where we would go late night. Because I think it was close to the ground round. Oh, <laughs> what a... Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we would have wing night, and there'd be, like, there'd be all those... Um, was it the popcorn? Yeah, the popcorn, of course. Yeah, it was you know, yeah, right in the middle of the table. Night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the I nan- have one for you. Okay. I have one for you. Chinese. Chinese food. Okay. <laughs> there was the one in Spring Valley was excellent. The oh, one in the that. Clarkstown Mall was fantastic. Yes. And Mandarin. What, Mandarin. And what was the one I'm blanking? It was right by right by actually my favorite one of my favorite diners was Brenda's. You ever go to Brenda's Cafe? Oh no. It was, it was oh, my favorite, my favorite. Really? I would say Mandarin would be my favorite Chinese. Wait, Brent, I never, I don't even know where that, is it still there? Oh, uh, no, it's gone. It's uh. gone. New City Diner is my number one favorite diner. That was, that was late night for me, New City Diner. New City Diner was number one. Chinese would be, Mandarin would be number one. Mandarin was definitely number one. Did you, like, go to the, um... What was the gas station like in town that, you know, it would be also be a late night thing? Oh, yeah. It was the um, Ampum. Ampum. AM, PM. Yeah, it was. (laughs) Uh, Of course, there there were there were two. There was the AM, PM, which is where (laughs) friends from Clarkstown North would go. And then there was the the mini mart near Clarkstown South, which is where I would go with friends from Clarkstown South. Oh, my God. That is awesome. <laughs> I will say, in Congress, though, there, oh, by the way, Rockland Bakery, all-timer, still go there. I mean, it's, it's number one. It, it's the yeah, greatest yeah. bakery of all time, and I'll fight anyone who disagrees on that. No, the best. But the crumb buns from Congress Bakery, right when you come over the reservoir, 
in, tucked in the corner next to the I don't post. know it, Tracy. You, w- you wouldn't have known it, but let me tell you, it was. I would get that, and we'd get a buttered roll. Me and my dad, we'd pick up the paper from, like, there was a Congress Mart right there. We'd pick up the paper, we'd get a buttered roll, a crumb bun, and it was so good. And I, was, I took my kids biking around Rockland Lake during COVID, probably about a stop bakery. I and know I the Mini Mart. I can't pick the bakery. Now, there is a butcher there where my parents will bring me turkey burgers, Stevie's Butcher, <laughs> in that Congress. Oh, it's, I'm telling you, you're, Tracy, I'm going to get to the address. It is a that light. That must be on, like, Congress Road almost, I think, by, like, the uh, where we would march the Memorial Day Parade. You know, I yeah. <laughs> I led. I was the leader of the Congress Memorial Day Parade. I had the baton, and I oh led God. the whole Congress band and the whole parade. Yeah? Of course you did. That, of course you did. That's a little nugget. A little that's, nugget about Tracy That's a little Wilson. nugget right there. Tracy Wolfson led the Congress. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, st- I'm still stuck on the Nanuet Diner. That, 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 is, that officially takes the cake. The Nanuet Diner and the New City Diner, there, there were a lot of great late nights at those two diners. That was so good. So good. It was good times. I'm so glad you brought back these memories for me. I, I'm telling you, Rick's Club American just changed the whole direction of the podcast. Tracy, you're the best. This was this was awesome. This was so much fun. Continued success. You are the absolute best. This was a blast, and we'll do it again real soon. You got it, Adam. Anytime. Thank you. That doesn't get much better than that. Tracy Wolfson. Your home for all things combat sports is Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Start your day with Hall of Fame Pro Wrestling Talk on Busted Open. All you need is a moment to get somebody over. Then the Barak Show keeps you updated on all things boxing. Let's not say that Canelo hasn't fought anybody with fighting guys on the way out. And Jimmy Smith has you covered for mixed martial arts. Do you want to look behind the curtain and see what these guys have to deal with for the amount of money they're making? The fight game broken down like nowhere else. Only on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Adam Shine, not telling you to wager on football, but here we go. Major bounce back with our picks against the spread. I went 9-4-1 last week, so I'm now 10 games over 500. A cool, crisp 55-45-5. Bob Stew with a solid week, 7-6-1, and 51-49-5 on the season. I tried to tell you last week, and Bob tried to convince me that, you know, the Eagles were going to cover, but I, I said Philly would win, and the Giants with the points, and the Bob Stew failures on the Adam Shine podcast. I mean, you got to fade Bob Stew on Thursday night. They, they continue to be an absolute guarantee, three guarantees in life, death taxes, and Bob Stew is going to fail picking a game against the spread on Thursday night football. So, Bob, I've got five games for us to chew on for this week for the podcast, and then we'll make all our picks against the spread on a Football Friday as we've done for 16 glorious years on China on Sports. So I want to hit division games, some division games that caught my eye. Starting Thursday night, which is not a sexy game in terms of the playoffs, but it is kind of fascinating with the points. Carolina favored by three against the Atlanta Falcons 
please don't pick the team that I want to pick. <laughs> Let me apologize to the poor people of Carolina because you oh. can't pick Atlanta. Oh, oh, I know, I know. I know. You just can't pick Atlanta anymore. They could be the team to bust up my jinx, though, Adam. I mean, this isn't the unstoppable force meets the immovable object. My <laughs> Thursday night record versus the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, come on. I mean, Atlanta's, though, they've lost so many close games. It's like banging your head against the wall and expecting to stop choking. I mean, I've never seen a team lose in so many different ways. New ways that Todd Gurley lost. That was absolutely terrible. I don't know if McCaffrey's going to play for Carolina, but the Panthers do have a 3-2 and two record without McCaffrey. They've been very competent this year. Love Matt Rule. Love watching Joe Brady with Teddy Bridgewater. The Panthers are a fun team already. They, they've been unbelievable. The Falcons have more talent, but the Panthers have the better coaching staff. I think that's what you can say about these two teams. Not I like close. the Panthers, Adam. I like them. They're going to win this game by at least four points. I think Matt Rule is, is tremendous. Love Joe Brady. Love Teddy Bridgewater. I couldn't believe Teddy took that sack against New Orleans. And they did cover like we expected them to, but they had a chance to tie the game with a field goal. But I'm telling you, the Panthers moving in the right direction. It pains me to ever agree with Bob Stu, but you're right. You know, it's, you know, you look at the Falcons. If there's one team that can reverse your fortunes, it would be the Atlanta Falcons because, you know, fire Dan Quinn all over again. Wait, what? I mean, <laughs> so can't believe what happened with Todd Gurley and then Matt Stafford and the rebuilding since 1957 Lions last week. All right, so we're both going to pick Carolina. The Buffalo Bills are favored by three and a half at home against the New England Patriots. I am surprised how many people are surprised that the Patriots are, are completely inept. The New England Patriots are a terrible football team. Cam Newton was a street-free agent for a reason. He threw three interceptions, zero touchdowns, 98 yards last week against San Francisco. San Francisco was the, just a tremendous bet. You knew they were going to win. I didn't necessarily know it was going to be a historic lopsided affair Worst home loss ever for Bill Belichick as the Patriots head coach. But listen, the Bills have not been great. They don't look great. And, you know, the run defense has has been terrible. My guy Josh Allen has crashed back down to earth. But, you know, this could be the final game for Cam Newton as a starting quarterback for the Patriots. And Trey White and Sean McDermott's defense need to force that. You know, I'm stunned that anyone believed in this New England Patriot team. I said maybe six, seven wins because of the genius of Bill Belichick. Line stinks. Julian Edelman is shot. Receivers are awful. Running back's not any good. The defense is terrible. New England should sell before the trade deadline a week from today as we tape at 140 Eastern on Tuesday afternoon. Bob, I think the Buffalo Bills will and should smash the New England Patriots. I give you all the credit in the world for this, Adam. I mean, you were all over this. You've been over this for months. And I can't believe how many callers would call the show in the offseason. And they were adamant the Patriots were not. They were going to win the division. They're going to win 11 games. It's Bill Belichick. It's Bill Belichick. You were all over it. All the opt-outs, all the injuries. Cam Newton, you were so ahead of the curve on that. I got to give you a ton of credit. For me, I was more skeptical. It was more like, let me see the body with New England. I right. wasn't convinced they would be this bad. I thought they'd win nine games. I said, all right, nine and seven for the Patriots. Bill Belichick, you, you know, they're bringing back most of the same defense. But then the opt-outs, free agency hit, they're just really not any good. The only issue is Buffalo's kind of been a little rough lately. You mentioned it. I think the one thing you can hang your hat on with the Bills the defense was great against the Jets in the second half. And again, I know it's the Jets. Everybody saw 18-10. to 10. They ripped Buffalo. 
The Bills defense held the Jets to four total yards in the second half. Four total yards. I don't care if you're playing a high school team. That's so impressive. They put Trey White on Denzel Mims. That defense was exceptional. And think about it this way, too. With Buffalo, the entire second half was a high-pressured situation. They were trailing at halftime. They only went up by eight points to have a little breathing room with two minutes to go in the entire game. The defense literally had to be perfect in the entire second half. They were perfect. We mentioned Cam Newton. Uh, he just can't hit a receiver 10 yards over the middle of the field. He it's can't a bad hit water matchup. if he fell out of a boat. He can't hit a broadside of a barn. I mean, he just, everything that he throws, Bob, it's right into the ground. Yeah, it's just a bad matchup for New England. There, there's just no chemistry. They have no chemistry. I'm with you. I love Buffalo. I think they're going to win the game by at least 10 points. They'll take control of the AFC East. You know, the best game of the week, Adam, I know you were talking divisional matchups here. It's the Steelers and the Ravens. Like, yes. I just can't wait for this game. Can't a wait. lot of money. Yeah, and a lot of money is coming on the Steelers for this game. The line opened at six. It's down to three and a half in favor of the Ravens. I think it'll stay at three and a half. What do you like for this game, Adam? I like Baltimore. I, I really do. I, I think that Baltimore is an excellent team. You know, they didn't play well and lo- didn't play their game and lost to Kansas City. Listen, I I think Baltimore is still the team to beat in the division. And look, this is my favorite game of the year. It, it's fueled on real hate. It's a great rivalry. Coaches hate each other. Fans hate each other. Organizations hate each other. The players hate each other. We've seen it forever. Listen, the winning percentage, it's the highest it's ever been when Baltimore and Pittsburgh have gotten together on the football field. Bob, I, I think this Baltimore defense is very underrated. I think they're superb on defense. Lamar hasn't even gotten started yet, relatively speaking. You can make throws, by the way on this incredible Pittsburgh defense. Wentz did it. Tannehill and A.J. Brown did it late. I I think that, you know, Baltimore's defensive backfield can turn over Ben Roethlisberger. I don't think James Conner goes over 100. Great game, close game. But to me, this one has 27-21 Baltimore written all over it. Yeah, I actually agree with you. And I've been Mr. Steeler this year. I've picked the Steelers every single game. They're undefeated, but you see the cracks in the armor with Pittsburgh. I mean, the offense can stall at times. The defense doesn't have any linebackers with Devin Bush out over the middle now. I think Baltimore having the bye is just a massive deal to prepare for the Steelers. I think that's the real difference here in this game. You mentioned it. I mean, Lamar can only play better. The defense is just getting started. They're going to be even better, especially the pass rush. I think Lamar runs wild in this game. I like the Ravens to win this game by a touchdown, Adam. Yeah, we're sharing a brain on this one. And I'll tell you, my second favorite in vogue rivalry in the NFL is Seattle and San Francisco. And and that's another one that goes back to good, real, pure hate and great games throughout the course of, of recent history. And how about last year, how it ended? You know, week 17, final play of the game, you know, comes down to who gets the one seed, who wins the division, who gets a wild card. As we sit here on a Tuesday afternoon, I mean, it's you have it at what, three and a half, according to William Hill, Seattle by three and a half? Yeah, the line has not really moved a whole lot. It's at, th- actually, it's at three now. It started three. out, Seattle was a six and a half point favorite. They lost, obviously, to Arizona, and the line has now plummeted to three after the results on Sunday. Which makes sense to me. That that makes sense. And I'm telling you right now, with all the injuries, I'm picking San Francisco. Even with all the injuries, and I mean, if it wasn't for bad luck, I mean, Kyle Shanahan would have none at all this year in terms of 
the team, which is now a mash unit. Obviously, Nick Bosa, top five player on defense in the sport. He's done for the year. And, you know, Jeff Wilson, three touchdowns against New England. Bam, he's heard. And, you know, how about Debo Samuel? And I love the way Shanahan deploys him. But this, this Seattle defense is dreadful historically dreadful. They are terrible. I wasn't surprised I picked Arizona outright to win that game. Obviously, it was wild how the Cardinals and Kyler Murray and company did it. You know, San Francisco is buttoned up. They are phenomenally coached by Kyle Shanahan, who I think is fantastic. And, you know, they're an underdog in this game. I might even pick up to win it outright, but I'll grab the points here with San Francisco. Yeah, if this was your typical Seattle home game, I would love the Seahawks. You know, I was looking this up earlier. I just counted this off by hand over the past seven weeks. The fact is, just straight up, no spread, money line, home road advantage, it does not exist in the NFL right now. Home teams are 52-52-1 this year. There is no home field advantage right now without the fans. San Francisco has been slept on the past couple weeks. Just remember, they were an underdog against the Patriots. That was only a week ago. I cannot believe that San Francisco was a three-point underdog in New England. They blew them out. Both teams have injuries, though. I mean, Jamal Adams, we don't know if he's going to play. Debo Samuel being banged up is bad for the Niners. The Niners can plug and play whatever running back they feel like putting into that offense. It doesn't seem to matter. Jamichael Hasty, he'll probably have a pretty good game. And I think Jarek McKinnon, he didn't really play a whole lot of snaps. He'll be fresh and ready to go. They're just playing better football than Seattle. San Francisco's playing better. Jimmy Garoppolo looks good. I like the Niners to come through. They're going to win the game outright, Adam. I don't need them with the points. I think they're going to win this game in Seattle. Now, as we sit here right now, we don't have a spread on the Eagles and Dallas game as, you know, we don't know if Andy Dalton's going to be cleared. He got concussed on that vicious hit by John Bostic, who should have been suspended, by the way. And someone who apparently is named Ben DiNucci could start for for the Dallas Cowboys. You know, how about how about Mike Nolan had to cut his press conference short as he was eating before the press conference and inadvertently got tabasco sauce in his eye listen I, I will defend mike nolan in this regard i freaking love tabasco sauce give me hot sauce tabasco sauce i put it on my eggs on my home fries on chicken rice soup turkey burgers i am obsessed with all kinds of hot sauce <laughs> on the flip side i mean if i was the defensive coordinator of the dallas cowboys i'd probably try to burn my eyes out too what would the spread have to be for you to take Dallas in this one? The Eagles are a mess, you know, in, in your defense, as I mocked you earlier, you know, they, they got grossly outplayed by the Giants for three-plus quarters. I mean, give Carson Wentz a ton of credit for those ridiculous throws late. Doug Peterson couldn't coach his way out of a paper bag. But, I mean, even if it's a two-touchdown favorite, I mean, I, I think I'm going to take Philadelphia no matter what coming up on Sunday night. Well, it's funny. You actually read my mind. I was thinking 13 and a half. Yeah. The Eagles are favored by 13 and a half. Then maybe I could see Dallas potentially keeping it close in terms of the spread. I mean, if you look at these two teams, these are two of the four worst teams in the NFL. If Dallas played the Jets this week, I would pick the Jets. That is how wow. bad Dallas is. Wow. Bob Dallas Stu! Is- 
I mean, they just have no defense. Ben DiNucci at quarterback, that is just a recipe for disaster. They lost to Washington by, I don't even know what the score was. It was over 20 points to but Washington. Points, yeah, you yeah. could argue Washington's the fifth worst team in the NFL. You know, the Cowboys to me right now are the worst. I mean, they're the worst. I think the Eagles are potentially the fourth worst team in the NFL. The NFC East is a complete disaster. Literally four of the five worst teams play in the NFC East. So yeah, if it was 13 and a half, that's when I would think about taking Dallas. They'd have to be at least a two-touchdown underdog team and think about touching them, Adam. They are so terrible. I would just pound the Eagles in this one. Fantasy football. Right after this. Hey, everybody. This is Fran Frischella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic buys it in to Mickey. It's somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid has stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Adam Shine, fantasy football legend. Kids League, we're now two and five. Final score from this past week: Team Abrams, one hundred nine point oh six. Team Shine, one hundred eight point nine eight. That is a real final score in a kids fantasy football game. I had my running backs on by. Thought I was going to hit the jackpot with. You know, prove my general manager right, and A.J. Dillon would score a meaningless touchdown. That didn't happen. I mean, if it wasn't for bad luck, my kids would have none at all. By the way, I, my fantasy lineup for DraftKings cleaned up last week. Nice. But I, you had some great advice. I had some great advice. We really helped some people out. You know, the problem was I ended up finishing at sixth after being at the top portion up until the Sunday night game. You know, Lockett, yeah. Murray, Wilson absolutely blew up. I had 185.68 in Daily Fantasy and DraftKings. The league leader for the week in the 20-team league with 20 friends that I'm in, and it had 214, 214.6, oh, wow. 200.14, 191.9, 189.54, 189.4, and then I had 185.68. Herbert's amazing. Herbert Keenan Allen stack sensational. I, I was obsessed with AJ Brown. He got me 30. Swift, Camara. I wish I would have decided to go with one of those, like a, a Gio Bernard or Jamal Williams. You know, I, I got a little nervous with all these AJ Dillon reports. So I opted at the end of the day to not start Jamal Williams. He did okay. I had McLaurin in the lineup. He was great. I had Croft on the Bob Stew recommendation. Yes. I got 10.4, but I needed a cheap defense, and I opted for the Texans, who got me minus two. Oh. And the whole thought process was Packers don't have Bakhtiari, yep. and even though the Texans are going to give up points, they're going to get a couple sacks, just jack the quarterback a few times, and I'll be able to get five points from my defense. By the way, that would have potentially, uh, look at it here, yeah, would have put me in the money. Nice job, Houston. Nice job. So I, I wanted to start the Rams and, and Washington all week. That didn't happen. 
You know, that's the beauty of, of the daily fantasy, why I'm obsessed, the give, the take. And, you know, I had a Hunter Henry in. I'm glad I took him out. I mean, you keep changing that lineup over and over again. Bob, for quarterbacks this week, I'll give you three that stand out. Yeah. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and how about Carson Wentz? Ooh, that's very interesting, Adam. Very interesting. You know, I have a pretty decent story, too. You know, we play the Sean on Sports Fantasy Football League, of course. Marlon in San Diego was a wonderful caller. Mm-hmm. Marlon was down 110 points against me going into that game on Sunday no. night with the Cardinals and the Seahawks. No. Yes. He even tweeted out, I'm 0-7 in fantasy. I've lost every matchup this week. No. He had Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, and Zane Gonzalez in his lineup. Holy and when Russell cow. Wilson And when Russell Wilson threw the pick in overtime, I was beating him by a fraction of a point. Zane Gonzalez hitting the game-winning field goal. I lost by four points to Marlon in San Diego after being up 110 points. You were up 110 going into the Sunday night game, and you lost. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lockett 53, Wilson 39, Gonzalez 16. It was about 110 points. Yeah. (sighs) Oh, yeah. That was one of the worst beats of all time, for sure. Good job by Marlon. That was the key with last week, Adam. If you didn't have Devontae Adams or Tyler Lockett in your lineup, you basically lost. So we got a hit this week. I, the quarterback that I like, though, Adam, is Joe Burrow against the Titans. Yeah. I mean, the Titans give up a ton yeah. of yards in the air. You know the Bengals are going to be trailing in the game. Joe Burrow is the ultimate fantasy football player. He's on a team that's always losing. All they do is throw. Listen to the pass attempts, Adam, for Burrow this season. 36, 61, 44, 36, 30, 39, 47. That is asinine. He leads the league in pass attempts with 293 in seven games. That is a recipe for fantasy success. That's why I love him. He's only 6,200 this week, Adam. Price gives you a lot of different options. What do you like for wide receiver this week? You know, it's funny in terms of wide receiver. I kind of like the Bengals guys. You know, it's funny. The guys who I like, I, I love Higgins. I absolutely love him. I love Boyd. And I'll give you one other that I happen to like a lot. And he was a little bit too pricey for me. Ayuk going yes. up against Seattle. They don't 100%. have Debo. I mm-hmm. I think Brandon Ayuk is going to have a monster fantasy game. He's only fifty eight hundred. You can't fit him in your line. Who who do you have in your lineup? You can't fit him in for fifty. No, I listen. I just thought he'd be closer to five thousand. He's I been gotcha. in that five thousand range yeah. all year. Don't misinterpret. I'm playing Brandon Ayuk. That yes. you know, it's funny that Burrow idea. See, I was thinking of maybe stacking. Brady with the Bucks D or Wentz with the Eagles D. I guess if I'm high on on Higgins, I can easily stack Burrow with Higgins and get Ayuk in and then spend some cash at either tight end and or running back. Well, absolutely. See, with this combination, Adam, you could even you can afford Devontae Adams, who's eighty eight hundred. I mean, he's extremely expensive. Minnesota's defense has not been able to stop the number one wide receiver on any team. Devontae went insane against the Texans. I see no reason to think he's not going to go off again. You know, it's funny, though. The one game I like this week is Chiefs and the Jets. Because you can stack Kansas City. It's not that expensive. You can go with Kelsey for 6600 It's expensive. But then if you supplement that with, say, McCole Hardman for 4700 Sammy Watkins is not going to play, most likely. He's still nursing that injury. Yep. Hardman looked great against the Broncos. He got a ton of it. He got a ton of opportunities, and the Jets can't stop anyone through the air. So who are you liking at running back, though, this week, Adam? You know, it's funny. Game script and what you were saying with Joe Burrow. Derrick Henry is, is pricey at 8000 but I, I think Derrick Henry is going to have a monster game. 
that Raider defense has been dreadful. You know, Jonathan Taylor hasn't been great in yeah. terms of fantasy, but he has a good matchup going up against against Detroit. Flip side, Josh Jacobs going up against Cleveland. I mean, you know, Vegas has been stuck in the mud a little bit, but I, I could see him getting going a little bit. And I, I like Daryl Henderson going up against yes. Miami. I, I could see the Rams taking a lead in that one to his first start. You know, 5,900, I kind of dig Daryl Henderson. It's funny. I mean, you and I are not always completely on the same page with this. Nope. I love Daryl Henderson. Like, he's, I wrote him down. He's in my notes. The Dolphins haven't been able to stop the run at all this year. It's a little deceiving if you eye up how many yards a game they give up. But when teams commit to the run, they rip off chunks against Miami on the ground. The Jets averaged over five yards a carry against them recently. The Niners averaged over seven yards a carry against them. The problem is they fell down by a bunch of points. Garoppolo was terrible. He threw a thousand interceptions. They couldn't run in that game after that because just because they were trailing. The Rams have the best offensive line in the NFL in my mind. They've been unbelievable. This is the biggest mismatch on paper. That's why I love Henderson for 5900 Adam. He lets you spend on everybody else. He's not that expensive. And for like a sleeper this week, Adam, kind of like Denzel Mims on the Jets. He's only $3,200. That's the cheapest option for a player who actually led his team in receiving yards last week. He had 42 yards at the half with Darnold. He looked great. He got blanketed by Trey White. We saw what happened in the second half. I don't think the Chiefs have anybody like Tredavious White on their team that can cover Mims. I think he'll do just enough to make it worth it this week for you, Adam. Honestly, I almost played him last week at 3,000. He is yeah. definitely on my radar, especially because I think I'm going to go big at tight end, either Kelsey or Kittle. It feels like that kind of week. You know, Kittle going up against that Seattle defense. I, I haven't played either one of those guys all year, so... Playing somebody like Mims would make a, a ton of sense. We're going to put a nice, big, fat, happy red bow on this outstanding edition of the Adam Shine Podcast right after this. Thank you for listening to another incredible episode of the Adam Shine Podcast. Jim Beheim, absolutely incredible. Bob Stu, sensational. Mikey Fitz, just a breath of fresh air. Thanks to our listeners on Sirius XM On Demand, our listeners on Pandora, listeners on Apple and with Stitcher. Please hit the subscribe button, leave a review because you love the Adam Shine Podcast and we love you. You can catch me every weekday on my Sirius XM radio show, Shine On Sports, which airs, of course, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM, Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. This is the Adam Shine Podcast. For more from Adam Shine, listen to Shine on Sports on Mad Dog Sports Radio, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.